Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Matt Eddy and Ben Badler. I am John Manuel. We are back into a little bit more of a pro side on the podcast here, BaseballAmerica.com with the college season over. Although we do expect to have a college podcast wrapping up that season and a draft podcast coming up soon now that the College World Series is over. But the big news in the Baseball America world today is the release of the Futures Game rosters. So we're going to talk some Futures Game today here on the Baseball America podcast. As always, you can follow us via Twitter. It's twitter.com backslash baseballamerica. And if you have questions for either the college podcast, the draft podcast, or next week's minor league one, send those in to us at podcast at baseballamerica.com. So with all that out of the way, guys, uh, one of the best things we get to do at Baseball America is be part of the Futures Game process. That's a, it's a fun meeting in the office where we all come at it from different ways, and then we have to try to fit the jigsaw puzzle together with the guys from the Major League Scouting Bureau, MLB.com, and the Major League Baseball, you know, minor league baseball office. And uh, this year, come up with the world roster and U.S. roster. And we have, so you have this international versus the U.S. constraint, and then you have the constraints of every team has to have one guy, but no one can have more than two. And for either one of you guys, I mean, that, the, the hardest part of that final meeting, I can tell you, was only two Giants. I mean, really. Uh, I mean, Ben, we could take five giants if we wanted to, couldn't we? Yeah, that's what that's what stuck out to me is that you have, you know, obviously you have, you know, Angel Villalona in the game. You have Madison Bumgarner. You know, obviously everyone wants to see Madison Bumgarner get out there and throw. Yeah. Uh, but you know, where's Buster Posey? Where's Tim Alderson? You know, there's just there's just not enough room for for all these guys who you know obviously have the the talent and have the performance to merit a spot in the futures game. But there really just wasn't enough uh, space in there. You know, frankly, I'd rather see a guy like like Buster Posey or Tim Alderson in the game ahead of Villalona. But if you look at who the corner infield guys would be from the world team, there really is you know very limited options. You know, there's there's Big V. There you know there was Yonder Alonso, but That's now it. he's injured. When Yonder Alonso broke his hand, Buster Posey had no chance to make the, the Futures game. That's really <laughs> almost Definitely. literally what happened, and uh, and it's a real sh- it's a shame for Buster. I mean, uh, and it's a shame, I think, for all of us who want to go to the Futures game and want to see it on TV, Matt, and watch Buster Posey work because there's been so much we've seen attention to Matt Wieters. Those guys are a different guy, but they get compared to each other a lot because of the bonuses. They were both in the ACC, all that kind of stuff. But I really want to see Buster Posey. But what it really came down to was, do you want to see Buster Posey or Madison Bumgarner? And me, I'm I'm Captain Fastball. (laughs) I want to see Madison (laughs) Bumgarner, so... To me, I think Ben summed that, that up pretty well. Uh, to me, I really want to see Madison Bumgarner, and that's really what it kind of came down to. Uh, the other, but that's another. We we can start off as you said uh, before we recorded, accentuating maybe a little bit of the negative because there's we, we can talk about who's on the roster, who else is on here or who's not on here that you really were hoping to see. Maybe we can explain some of that to some of the snubs, which is always the most interesting part of talking about any All Star roster or futures game, All Star game, that kind of thing. Yeah, I I had three players in particular who are you know in the high minors and who have strong performance records this season who I wanted to see uh, highlighted by 
Rockies right-hander Esmeel Rogers. Yep. This guy is a converted, I think he's a converted infielder. He's just made incredible strides this year. Uh, fastball, breaking ball. Kind of, um, he's, he's arguably the best pitcher in the Texas League at this point among the ERA and strikeout leaders. Uh, he, I think, warranted a spot. I mean, you could you could argue the uh, worthiness of Eric Young Jr.'s place on the team, right? But that's essentially why Rogers is not on the roster. Yeah, we do. You, the, you know, you have two pitchers from Tulsa uh, who are on the who, who both could be on the international roster, and Julius Chassin and Esmil Rogers. I think, and my philosophy for this always, I mean, I've done this a few times now with the Futures game is always I want the bigger arm. I want the guys that light the radar gun because. That's what happens at these uh, Futures games. I mean, my favorite radar gun, I mean, my favorite Futures game performance of all time is Homer Bailey. Just going out there with his blister bleeding and wiping his blood off on his pants. And just every pitch was a fastball. And all the scouts were like, well, he didn't show us a breaking ball. And he comes in the dugout, and I was working that in the dugout uh, for XM. And he said, uh, I'm not going to throw breaking balls at a all-star game? Come on, you know, I'm going to throw fastballs. And then two seconds later, he's asking the cop, hey, what is that? Is that a Glock? You know, he's asking about his gun. <laughs> I mean, it was just so... I mean, I, the only thing that Homer Bailey didn't do was pull out, like, some antlers out of his back pocket from a hunting trip. <laughs> Everything else was just exactly what I expected out of Homer <laughs> Bailey. Fastball, country boy, I like guns. You know, it was just straight up. So, But, I mean, that's kind of... That's what you like to see, though. You like to see the big radar gun numbers at an all-star game like yeah, this. So, yeah. And I think Rodgers... Is more that kind of guy than Julius Hussein, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's part. Some of it has to do with who the organization likes, and some of it has to do with uh, kind of a consensus. And Hussein definitely came into the year with a bigger name, uh, coming off the year he had last year. Uh, another Rockies prospect with tons of innings. You had a couple more names on your list, real quick, though. Uh, yeah, a couple AAA outfielders for the for the world team. I mean, the, the Canadian aspect is already well represented on the roster right. with <laughs> Rene Tassoni, Tyson Gillies. Uh, there's two others. Yeah, at least two. Well, Weglars, Nick Weglars. Nick Weglars. But anyway, a, a, a fourth actually, uh, or fifth actually, could have been Michael Saunders of yeah. the Mariners. He's uh, a patient hitter with, with solid power and in, in average other tools. So he's, right. he's, he's a pretty accomplished minor leaguer. And also the Yankees, uh, Austin Jackson, I think. You know, he's, I think he has one or two home runs this year. But he's had a, but the guy's had a got, nice year otherwise. He's, he's had a nice year. Austin Jackson was a very tough guy to leave out of a very crowded U.S. outfield. There was no doubt about that. And one part with the, of this with the Yankees is, you know, you're going to have Jesus Montero. Right. That's a given. I think no one probably in the minors has earned that spot as much as Jesus Montero. If you're looking for world catchers, whether you can catch or not, you know, who knows. But he's, he's what the Futures game is all about. He's a teenager in AA that we've been talking about since he signed July 2nd period in 2000. Seven it was now, or is it six? I think it was six. I think it was six. Yes. I think it was six. Back when I actually still did it, so it's been a while. <laughs> but uh, this guy's been a big deal since then and was good in the Futures game last year. You know, took a nice BP, looked the part, and now he's just doing it in the regular season. The other part of this that we haven't even talked about yet on this podcast is uh, they on the world team especially, we try to get as many nations represented as possible. So that's actually where Manny Benuelos came in. I believe he's the only Mexican player on the whole team. We have ten countries represented. He's the sole. And that, that's the other part we wrestled with also on this call was how many low class A players wind up going to the Futures game. Because it's it's a, we've seen it in Futures games. It's a tough step up for some of those really young guys. Yep. But Ben Wellis' whole calling is that he's got he's firm. He's a firm left hander and he does have good stuff. It's not premium stuff maybe, but it's good stuff. But he has real good poise for a guy his age. 
And that's that's kind of been his calling card. And that actually came up in the call as well. So uh, with the scouts who were on the call, so so that was a big part of it. So the Yankees represented only on the international side as opposed to anywhere on the domestic side. And I guess the, the guy I really kind of wanted to see a little bit of guys uh, just throwing my own personal cheese ball was I did want to see Justin Smoke, but his oblique strain really wound up clouding things. And I think that the desire logistically to replace as few players as possible is what led to Justin Smoke, who just been on the disabled list. They're not even going to touch. They're not going to touch a guy who has any possibility of being replaced. And that's oh, they don't want to. And there have been logistical issues in the past with the Futures game, and that's that's always been an issue. So it's a Baseball America podcast. I'm John, along with Matt and Ben. Let's talk about who's actually going to be there. Uh, let's talk about the U.S. team. Why don't we, why don't we kick off with the U.S. team? Um, one of the things that intrigues me, guys, about this U.S. team is uh, the preponderance of just high school. I guess that was the 2007, really, draft. But especially on the high school pitching side, uh, Ben, you got Madison Bumgarner, who we've already talked about, and Jared Parker, uh, both guys who went in the first 10 picks. I guess they went actually back-to-back in that draft at number 9 and number 10. And two precocious high school guys who've already gotten the double-A. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if you're putting together top pitching prospects in the minors, it's pretty conceivable that's one and two right there in Parker and Bumgarner, and I guess it really depends on who you talk to, who that where that order would be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you could throw uh, you know two other guys from that U.S. World roster and uh, Brian Mattis and Chris Tillman to the mix too. Tillman's I mean, another 07. Is he not an or is he an 06 high school draft as well? I think he's an 06. 06 Moro's class. Yeah, that's right. So I, I mean, the, obviously, I think one of the strengths of the U.S. team when I mean, you look at the the outfield is the starting outfield is going to be outstanding. That's, but you know the pitching staff as well. Uh, I think especially compared to the, the world roster where you have a little bit more, you know, guys who are just relievers, guys right. from a bunch of different countries. You know, these are all guys, you know, every every single player on this U.S. Uh, pitching staff is has the potential to be at least an average to, you know, a well above average major league starter uh, in the future. So, you know, every inning you're going to see a good arm coming out from the, from the United States. The only guy on that U.S. pitching staff who wasn't a guy – uh, a phrase that got thrown around a lot in our meeting. But the only guy in, the, in that pitching staff who wasn't a big-time guy was Trevor Reckling, and he's a high school kid from New Jersey. Uh, he was an eighth-round pick, and it just looks, I think he was a little bit more of an under-the-radar guy. But everybody else, I mean, those were all big-timers. I mean, the first-rounders, there's the occasional second-round pick. Obviously, Matt Latos fell a little bit in the draft, but he was – I remember seeing him at East Coast Showcase and uh, – you know, he came out of East Coast Showcase as the guy. He got paid like a late first rounder. He, he did, absolutely. Um, I, I tell you, one of the guys I'm most intrigued to see out of that is Brad Lincoln because mm-hmm. that, that's a very high school heavy. I mean, Mattis, I think, is the only other four year college guy on that list. Mm-hmm. But Brad Lincoln, who was picked, what was it, third or fourth overall? Third overall, I think, in 2006. And he was up there, stuffed way up there, and was considered, in the, you know, in the same caliber. I think he was third on our top 200. After Andrew Miller one and Tim Lincecum two, and I remember Jim Callis was a huge Brad Lincoln fan, and I was oh, yeah. I thought of him as almost the safest pick in that draft, but he had the Tommy John surgery almost immediately afterwards and really kind of struggled coming back from it last year. Mm-hmm. All the reports that we've gotten on him this spring, just talking again on this meeting, are very positive. I believe we just promoted a Triple A, yep. so you know I'm I'm really intrigued to see Brad Lincoln. He's almost like grandpa to the rest of these guys on this. Uh, on this pitching staff, but that that, that U.S. outfield, uh, Matt Ben touched on it. Um, Mike Stanton, Jason Hayward again, two more 2007 draft guys. Daryl Jones, Desmond Jennings. I mean, De- Jennings, Hayward, Stanton. I, I want to see those three guys take BP together. I want I want to see that BP group, and uh, I really actually just want to see Mike Stanton and Jason Hayward take BP. But 
that is that the most exciting position in the whole on either roster for you? Yeah, it's it's either that or the or the U.S. pitching staff that we just talked about. But um, definitely, you have Mike Stanton, maybe the most raw power of anybody in this game. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Hayward, just a very polished hitter for such a young player, and then the more uh, well-rounded, let's say, athletic types in, in Jones and in Jennings and, and, Heisey. and Chris Heisey, who I. You probably would like to talk about for a second. Oh, man, I, we should just drag J.J. Cooper in here for this. I mean, it's, it's per, talk about personal cheese ball. J.J. <laughs> J. J. loves him some Chris Heisey. But I think Chris Heisey, like, almost, he's one of the neater stories on here. First, he's the oldest guy on the U.S. roster. So that's that's the only question as far as his ceiling goes. But it sounds like a solid, I guess with the, with the Twins use that phrase, cheap five tool. He's kind of like a cheap five tool guy. It's fives and sixes across the board for this guy, but... Uh, I think this will be a huge test for Chris Heisey. Is he going to stick out on this team? Is he not going to be able to play up to this level of these guys like Hayward, like Jennings, like Stan? Well, I think all three of those guys, I think we, we all could see those guys being you know, potential like, you know, franchise-type players. You know, Desmond Jennings was on that track for sure before his injury last year, and he's gotten right back on it this year. I mean, to me, those, those are guys you're going to build a team around. I don't think Chris Heisey's that kind of player, but I also don't think he's Brady Clark either. I think he's I think he's going to be a solid everyday regular, uh, but we'll see. He he may he may stick out on this team. Uh, ben, what about the uh, anything else on the U.S. team that really uh, gets you going? Uh, the, the 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 U.S. infield has some pretty big names when you think about uh, the draft between the Pedro Alvarez, uh, cover boy Brett Wallace of the hometown Cardinals. will be the he and Jones will be both representing the the hometown organization there, uh, and then Jamile Weeks, a guy who is just off to a pretty impressive pro start considering he signed late last year with the. I believe he signed late last year with the A's, but I know this year hampered by injuries and has just gotten off to a great start once he got on the field. Yeah, well, one thing that did stand out to me is that the the U.S. shortstops are, are very thin this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Tim Beckham, I guess, wasn't available to uh, to be on the team, but, you know, there, there really weren't many uh, great shortstop options. I really, You know, Danny Espinosa's having a, a nice year for himself, but right. uh, there really weren't any other guys from the U.S. for shortstop who jumped out. You know, compare that to third base where you have guys like Lonnie Chisenhall who are left off. You know, Mike Mustak is not having a great year, uh, but he's also left off. You know, there's a lot of a lot of really good third basemen out there who are, who are left off, but, uh, you know, the, the ones who will be there, uh, you know, Vitters, Brett Wallace, uh, you know, Pedro Alvarez, you know, those are all guys who are, you know, have the potential to be, you know, big-time bats in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris Carter, another guy who mm-hmm. potentially could play third base if you wanted to try him out there. But, yeah, es- Espinosa is one of the most unusual guys on here. I mean, he's an 08 draft pick. He's not really on a fast track. I mean, he's in a high A, so somewhat accelerated, but he's not like he's, you know, being really pushed too so aggressively. He hit for very little power in college. Part of that has to do with being in Long Beach State. But he's got nine home runs this season in high class A in his first full pro year. Uh, his batting average is uh, a little bit lower. He struck out quite a bit. But he's a little bit of a different guy than what we thought he was come out of college. So he's an interesting choice. And then Jason Castro and Tyler Flowers. Uh, Tyler Flowers is going to help me. That's my segue into the world team. He, uh, I don't know that he played with Rene Tassoni, but they're both Chipola Junior College jokers. Uh, so we're going to use that to transition over to the world roster where we have uh, you know Canadian outfielders are us uh, with Tyson Gillies, uh, you know, Renee Tassoni and Nick Weglars, potential to have an all-Canadian starting outfield, which is a little unusual. I uh, didn't expect that to happen. And you'd think, again, like you guys said, if you're going to have an all-Canadian minor league outfield, you'd think Michael Saunders would be would be part of that. Um, the world team, I guess the interesting thing to me on the world team is that 
the catching is that those those two guys are probably the most exciting guys on this team, Carlos Santana, and uh, you know, and Montero, Jesus Montero, and we I guess we have to remember we do have a DH in this game, so uh, I, what I'm hoping is that Brett Lowry decides to just catch one more game and goes out here and catches a little bit so we can have all three of those guys in the game at the same time and for maximum Canadian exposure as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to that. And I, I think the rare right-handed batter, too. That's right, the rare <laughs> right-handed Canadian. I think Lowry actually is, even though we saw him briefly last summer with the Canadian Olympic team, I think Lowry is the guy on the world team I'm most anxious to see, just to see him at second base. and you know, see. I, I, think, the, I think that's where the Dan Ugla physical comps come in, is that he is kind of a wide body playing second base in the... Kind of thick, but that, that's that's one guy I'm pretty much looking forward to seeing. I, I'm gonna guess, Matt, for you, it's got to be Wilmer Flores. I mean, doesn't it? Come on. <laughs> yeah, we missed him last year in the Appy League, but uh, that's right. But, but definitely, uh, Wilmer has uh, he started very slowly, but he's picked it up. He's got his first two uh, full season minor league home runs in the past three weeks or so. Uh, somebody who's whose build and and uh, sweet swing really suggests that he has hitting and power potential. Yeah, we had two Mets to choose from, actually, on the world roster with him and Tejada, Ruben Tejada. Yeah. Tejada's already at double-A as a 19- or 20-year-old. I think here we didn't take 2009 performance. We really went for future. So Wilmer Flores, I think he's the youngest player on either he's, of these rosters. He'll be 17 until August. That's, that's, that's how young he is. <laughs> that's unbelievable. He's even younger than Manny Benuelos. That's the part I couldn't believe is that he's actually younger than Benuelos. Yeah. Uh, those are the only two players born, well, in, uh, born in 1991 in this game, which is... The other, the kind other, of frightening. I was a freshman in college. The other player was uh, Alex Liddy, the Italian third yeah. baseman uh, in the Mariners organization. Suffered through two tough years in the Midwest League, and he's really had his uh, coming out party in high desert where he's already got 15 home runs and slugging 600 in the in the very favorable conditions there. Well, the conditions are favorable. You just have to take advantage of it. Uh, he's got he's got raw strength and lots of power to center and, and to uh, right center. He's a right-handed batter. But you have uh, we have we do have a repeat member of that uh, the, the world infield with Alcides Escobar, probably the guy who's most in danger of losing a spot in the futures game with JJ Hardy really struggling at the big league level. Uh, the Brewers always looking to deal. I think you know, Doug Melvin's an aggressive general manager, and Escobar's already moved over to second base a little bit in the minors this year after the Ricky Weeks injury, it wouldn't shock me if the Brewers brought Escobar up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he's still, the bat is still not his, you know, that's not what his calling card is, obviously his defense, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I am looking forward to seeing Carlos Santana. And then, you know, I guess the, to, to me, the two most intriguing guys in the world pitching staff are Junichi Tozawa, who, uh, you know, the Red Sox have both their representatives of pitchers, Casey Kelly on the U.S. team, Kazawa, whom they signed out of Japan this offseason uh, on the world team, and then really Naftali Feliz, I mean, one of the most electric arms in the minor leagues, and who just this week is transitioning from the rotation in Texas to the bullpen, which also makes me think he may not actually make it to St. Louis with the Futures game. If they put him in the bullpen in AAA, I think that's clearly, I mean, they, they started Derek Holland in the bullpen in the big leagues. Clearly they're trying to, I think, to get Naftali Feliz ready for a big league bullpen role. So he can try that in Oklahoma City and then come up and you know, they they've lost their lead. They've been uh, caught by the Angels in the AL West. I gotta think that the the, you know, the Rangers are thinking of the Valley of Feliz coming to the big leagues. Uh, ben, who uh, who else on the world team uh, are you looking forward to seeing? I mean, we're talking about lighting up the radar gun. I think Henry Mejia is a great is point. the guy who's who's I'm looking forward to seeing from that staff. You know, we know he's been up to at least 98 miles an hour. Yeah, this year this as well. year. 
Uh, you know, we had him at there last year. Maybe he, there's a chance he could throw even a, a tick or two higher. Yeah. So, you know, he's an interesting guy. I want to see, you know, not just how hard he throws, but, you know, maybe, we you know, he's only going to get in there for an inning. So, right. you know, maybe he won't throw. You know, maybe he'll pull a, a Homer Bailey, I guess. That's right. But, or uh, or uh, Henry Rodriguez last year falling down <laughs> after throwing a pitch at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, that was that was also classic. So, you know, <laughs> you know I, I'm interested to see, you know, how, what other stuff he has, or if not, just to see, you know, how hard he throws, the kind of life that he has on his fastball, and, and what the scouts there are, are going to be thinking of some of these arms, too. I'm always interested to see how the guys, just their deliveries look, too, because you can talk to someone about it, and even when you watch it on video, it's one thing. But I think even in video, you can't quite, to me, it's harder to see effort. You know, where if you're there watching with your own eyes, you can hear if a guy's grunting it out. I think I always feel like with my own eyes, you can really see effort more than I could see it on video. And I, yeah. He sounds like a guy with a lot of effort, but he is starting. He's already gotten the double A. He's pretty intriguing. He's, he's a good name to bring out. And, and J.C. Silberon, or Juan Carlos Silberon, I guess is as pronounced, is also kind of intriguing. I really don't know what to make of this guy. He's already got more like big game international experience than the rest of these guys. He pitched in the uh, honkball tournament last year for the Netherlands. <laughs> Restraining myself with my pronunciation of honkball. And then he pitched in the World Baseball Classic for uh, the Netherlands. He might have actually even been on their Olympic team. I'm, I might be remembering that wrong. Was he on the Olympic team last year? I'm, I'm blank. I, I know he pitched internationally in 08 and in 09. I think our capsule says Olympic team. I think that makes that makes sense. I know he I think he earned his spot on the Olympic team by beating Cuba, or at least I think he pitched like five no-hit innings against Cuba in the honkball, then made the Olympic team, then he was in the World Baseball Classic team. And, then the Reds signed him after the... Yeah, after right. that's right, because yeah, for half a million dollars. Um, you know, the guy played with uh, with Eric Hosmer in, uh, in high school and Adrian Nieto mm-hmm. on that American Heritage team, which was our number one team in high school in 2008. He's only in low Class A, so there are a few low A guys in this game, Manny Benuelos being one of them uh, that we've already mentioned, Silberon being another one. That seems to happen more on the uh, international team uh, where there's just not quite as much depth uh, as there is. I mean, I think when you hear about 40% of the players in the minor leagues are Latin American it's just like with the U.S. players. I bet you the same proportion of Latin American players are actually prospects as with the U.S. Because you get in Triple A, there are just as many filler guys who are Latin American or international as there are uh, filler guys who are domestic players. But uh, oh, just out, out of the blue, what do you guys think? If we try to wrap up the podcast here, baseballamerica.com. You guys sold on the world versus you know U.S. Uh, format. Would you rather see another format, maybe an American League versus National League? Uh, what would you just uh, you know take on the futures game as a as a event? I think it's the U.S. versus world format. I'm I'm okay with that. I mean MLB wants to obviously market itself internationally, and right. you know it's that's fine. You know I have no problem with that. What I would like to see change is you know don't don't cap the number of of players that a certain team can send. Yeah. You know if you want to have one player from each organization at least, you know okay fine I you know, I, I can deal with that, but you know. I, we'd like to see, at least here at Baseball America, and I'm sure you know everyone out there does as well, you know, we want to see just the best prospects out there, the guys who have earned it, uh, not necessarily you know, saying, all right, well, you know, Buster Posey, sorry, right. <laughs> you're dominating uh, you know, the <laughs> California League right now. You're probably the best catching prospect in baseball, but sorry, you can't go because uh, we need a, f- a first baseball exactly. world roster exactly. for a big V. And we need, uh, you know, obviously Madison Bumgarner as well. It really doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it, you you want the best players. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe an expanded roster would be the way to do that, but obviously costs are going to be a factor there to the club. It shows, it shows too, which teams are good at, at scouting and player development, too, mm-hmm. when you when you have that option to, to have more players. And it's unusual to only have one Ranger. I would say that I think we all anticipate we would have more than one Ranger. And I believe we only have one Athletic, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the Carter and, and Weeks. Oh, it's just two, Carter and Weeks. But even even Cardness is a guy, Adrian Cardness would be yep. a guy who would you know fit in nicely in that. That he, roster, but you just can't have more than two guys from the from the same organization. He would, and virtually all their pitchers who we ranked that in the organization how they are all in the big league yeah. anyway. So yeah. it's, it's a, more of a future is now. Uh, what, any thoughts that you have on the futures game, Matt? As far as just the format, I, and how I think it goes? I think the format does work because I think a lot of the international players would tend to be overlooked just because we have a more extensive history. It's a good point with the domestic players who come through the draft. I, I think we tend to we just know more about them. I mean, that's uh, you, you, and the default is. You're going to write about the guys that you know a little bit more exactly. about. I think that's I think that's a fair criticism. I, I think I'm I, I like the idea. I would love it if the rosters were a little bit more flexible. Um, maybe three could be the maximum. I understand that reasoning. I actually think that making every organization have one player is a really, uh, especially in 2009, that's just outdated. It's almost like that's a that's an excuse to get a, a newspaper to send a reporter to travel. Is how that seems to be like for the local media market to care, and I think we all know those days are over. You don't have to have someone on site to write about these things anymore, and uh, so I don't think that makes sense either at the major league all star level or otherwise. I mean, I think so I, I think that, that I think that's a well, anachronistic is the word I was looking for, and so that that's kind of the change I would like to see both the all star game and the futures game. Uh, I'm interested in seeing that change, but. Uh, uh, I am excited about going to the Futures game again. Ben, you're coming to the Futures game again. Uh, I'll be working it for XM uh, Radio in the uh, in the U.S. dugout this year, thankfully, not in the world dugout. We're about six players. I, I kept on talking to the Australian and Canadian guys. So <laughs> no Greek players made it very difficult for me not to interview uh, in my Espanol, uh, mi poquito. I think that's, that's not correct, actually. I don't think so. It's muy malo. How about that? It's really bad. Poco. That's it. I think that's it. So on that enlightened note, uh, we'll wrap up this podcast. Like I said, we'll be back next week with plenty more and, of course, uh, constantly updated at the Baseball America Prospects blog, uh, the transaction blog on Monday, the injury report, prospect hot sheet, which will come out. Uh, you'll probably hear it today on Friday when you'll, when you'll hear it, uh, this podcast uploaded. So tons of stuff on the BaseballAmerica.com website, and we'll continue covering the, the rosters and, of course, full Futures game coverage on uh, July 11th in St. Louis. Uh, it's probably July 12th. <laughs> but but who's counting? For Ben Badler and for Matt Eddy, I'm in need of sleep, John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.